yeah, none of this is financial advice in terms of like, you know, with, um, USDC versus USDT or what has happened here. Um, this is, you know, um, my all my personal views here in that I'm sharing. We've had um, a bank collapse, a US uh, USDC DPEG, and Chelsea win a match finally. Three matches in a row. You as an Arsenal fan will be very disappointed, <laughs> but that's not the main news we have, right, Prashant? I'm, I'm not disappointed, man, with that last bit of news. Um, I'm just worried that you're picking up form before uh, you come play us next month. So that's my only worry. <laughs> but Arsenal still top of the league. That's surprising. But the big news <laughs> is... Um, <laughs> Uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, stopped all deposits. I don't really know. That's why I have the TradFi bro, the big brain VC here. Uh, I'm filling in for Raghu here, who's somewhere above the Atlantic Ocean, I think, flying uh, from yeah. New York to Dubai. So, uh, yeah, what's what's happening with the market right now, Prashant? What's happening with these banks? Um. See, again, um, b- before we understand what's happened with Silicon Valley, I guess it's just... Uh, you know, I I think it's good for us to uh, do some basics like uh, 101, right? So um, every bank has its very standard base business model, or at least it should, right? Where it uh, takes in deposits, which is its liability. And then, uh, you know, these deposits is what they kind of lend out uh, <clears throat> and uh, build asset book, right? And typically you lend out at X, you borrow or they get deposits at Y and X minus Y is your net interest margin on which you kind of, you know, uh, seek your profits and like operating expenses, etc. Now, um, what happened post to uh, post uh, 2018, and especially after COVID is that um, most of these banks, um, uh, uh, you know, Silvergate, Silicon Valley, Signature, etc. Um, they all started getting excess, a uh, lot of deposits into their banks, right? And the deposit base of each of these banks just ballooned. And, uh, and where, where did these Silicon, deposits come from? Uh, did these come from uh, a specific kind of customer? Yeah, so Silicon Valley has been like the go-to bank for, uh, you know, as the name suggests, Silicon Valley, right? So a lot of uh, tech startups and startups in general um, have been used to banking with Silicon Valley Bank. And so a lot of capital that they got in or deposits is uh, from, um, you know, um, a lot of these startups. And as you know, startups raised crazy amounts in the last few years. And uh, they raise it from the VCs and it goes to get deposited into um, SVB, right? So uh, their deposit base actually increased much more than a lot of other banks. So what happens is now you have a lot of deposits on which you need to pay some interest. And then, of course, um, there is demand for loans, which is where you kind of make your money, right? So when uh, the loan book does not scale as fast as the deposit book, then you are with a lot more deposits than assets that you're earning interest on. And uh, what do you do? You then uh, try to uh, invest this into um, securities uh, such as bonds or stocks or whatever it is, right? To kind of earn that extra interest income. And this is where it gets very interesting for uh, Silicon Valley Bank, especially because um, when it comes to the US, um, they, the banks, when they have excess deposits, they can buy securities. Um, and uh, you also have an option to categorize them as, uh, you know, either a hold to maturity uh, asset or an available for sale asset. And this is probably the first point that we need to uh, quickly touch upon. And this is more of an accounting thing. And uh, what the Fed has done overnight is effectively to kind of counter what they had originally done on the accounting side with these two categorizations. 
So hold to maturity means um, it's like a fixed deposit now that you and I must have at a bank, regardless of where the interest rates are. The fixed deposit, if you put in a hundred, is worth hundred. You don't really mark to market and you take any losses on that, right? It is what it is, regardless of where the interest rates are in the market. So that's a hold to maturity book. Then available for sale is basically whatever you categorize as uh, you know uh, being ready for sale. Now, funnily enough, this should be marked to market, and I'll come to what that means. But it's it's not been done by uh, SVB etc. Um, because of again how the accounting process works. So even though it's reflected a bit on the capital and equity side, it's not really taken as a as an immediate loss on a month to month or quarter to quarter basis when the books are marked. So what has happened is. They are holding like tens of billions of uh, assets across hold to maturity and available for sale books, which they the interest that they are earning on is anywhere in the one to one and a half percent region because these were all bought um, over more than a year ago when the Fed had not started hiking rates, and uh, now these same type of maturity bonds in the market are priced at around four uh, to five percent. So mm. effectively, it's a huge cost for this, them. It's a huge cost. It's basically if this is a trading book. Then all of these would have been marked down to a significant loss. Okay, and all these numbers are available, and they have been disclosing the. Look again, it's not like this has something happened overnight where uh, people are suddenly woken up and oh my god, you know there is so much unrealized loss. No, they have been reporting this every quarter ever since they started building these books. But because accounting allows them to keep it, uh, you know, at maturity value without uh, sorry at uh, par value without taking losses, they have not taken losses, right? So uh, this is the first main point to address that accounting has been a, has been a, an issue um, in terms of how these assets have been categorized. Now, um, second is even though you have these assets, you know the rates are increasing. What typically banks uh, or trading desks do is they hedge out their uh, interest rate risks. What that means is if I have taken a bond at one point five percent, if I expect the rates to increase tomorrow, then um, I swap my fixed rate, uh, you know, uh, fixed rates to a floating rate through interest rate swaps, which are extremely liquid. So if they had done that, then as the rates went uh, higher, their bond book would have taken a loss, but their interest rate swaps would have shown a profit of an e almost equal amount, right? And then that's that's effectively what hedging is. So you would not have any unrealized losses. But again, if you are sitting at the risk management unit of these uh, banks, then you're probably thinking, hey, you know, this is a hold to maturity. I don't have to take a loss anyways. So why do I bother taking on a hedging risk anyways, right? But in, in retrospect, it's probably not appropriate risk management, right? Now, that is the second point. Now, the third point is um, what happened in the last uh, six to nine months is that um, two things. One is um, tech and crypto started facing a lot of um, um, headwinds, right? Um, especially from the time that FTX happened. And uh, um, again, silver gas... Silicon Valley Bank is not a crypto bank, right? It's a tech they serve a bunch bank, of, of crypto companies. Exactly. They serve a bunch of crypto companies, but it's not like a Silvergate or a Signature whose core business is crypto, right? SVB is more core business is tech. But tech has also had a fair bit of pullback in the last um, um, couple of like, you know, quarters. So um, what has happened is uh, the third point specific to Silicon Valley is once um, they... Um, Deposits started receding on um, on their side, and uh, you know deposits are receding because tech companies probably started pulling out um, deposits to um, you know either address their uh, own uh, liquidity issues or a lot of these banks are not paying sufficient deposits uh, deposit interest rates. They are still like you know under one percent when the 
two year treasury is like at four to five percent, right? So a lot of people started withdrawing these deposits to directly put it into money market funds like treasuries to get those higher interest rates. Regardless, deposit base started coming down. And, uh, you know, when deposit bases start coming down, then you have to start paying these deposits from somewhere, right? And um, in the process, um, I guess they started selling out of their um, accounting for sale book. Okay. Now, once you sell something out of it, the market will not buy this at par, even if you have market at par, right? So they had to pay the market value of it. And you therefore have to crystallize a significant loss. When you crystallize such a loss, then uh, your capital ratios get hit. And of course, your uh, liquidity also gets hit, right? So then they start, they wanted to raise in the market. And when they put out uh, raising, even until now, it's not a problem, in my opinion, right? And the reason for that is General Atlantic, one of their investors, had already committed to um, you know, putting in 500 million out of the roughly 2 billion that they were raising. So they had an anchor investor as well. But what went against them is two things. Uh, the, one is Silvergate um, did this you know, voluntary uh, liquidation announcement on the same day that they uh, made the funds uh, raise announcement. And Founders Fund, which is Peter Thiel's fund, they alarmed a lot of their uh, um, portfolio companies telling them to pull money out of SVB. Right. Mm. And these two created a massive domino effect whereby a classic bank run happened on um, SVB. Right. So if you have to summarize, it's like three points. Right? One is accounting. Uh, two is uh, risk management on interest rate swaps. And three is uh, just the timing of, you know, Silvergate's announcement and Founders Fund, uh, you know, um, asking its portfolio companies to pull out of SVB. So these three just pretty much, you know, um, created a massive effect. It's not happened overnight because accounting has been in place and their disclosures have also in, been in place. So this has been building over a period of uh, time. It just fell over the cliff because of these two uh, events that happened on the same day. So I, I wouldn't call it technically a solvency issue. It's more of a liquidity and uh, timing issue. Mm, and okay, how much of this is due to the fact that, okay, you mentioned a couple of parts of the puzzle right here. Um, the interest rates that the Fed fairly decreased then increased uh, since COVID. And over the past yeah. few years, at least six months to a year, they've been increasing interest rates, which makes um, investing in anything risky like crypto or tech-focused companies even more risky given the other case, the sort of short-term borrowings are fairly you know, better performing than the rest. Um, and then there's also been a significant slowdown. At least two things that I'm seeing here is that the, there's been a significant slowdown in VC funding for both crypto companies as well as tech companies. So there's not a lot of money for these companies to A, receive, be put into Silicon Valley Bank, which is their assets at the end of the day. The second is you've, you're seeing this in headlines like this company laid off so many people, this much percentage of workforce is gone, Coinbase did that, Polygon did that. Um, do you think that frightened, say, other people to A, say, not invest money into um, tech-focused, crypto-focused companies? And does, does that lead to, say, banks that serve these customer bases, not receive any assets and prop up their books? Is that like a larger play here? Um, see, I mean, it, it is definitely a factor um, in the in the sense that uh, crypto and tech, uh, you know, VC-based funding has uh, reduced. But again, this is a downward trajectory uh, from Q1 of 2022, right? So um, again, this is something that has been happening for a year now. Silicon Valley Bank has been in existence for 40 years. This is not the first cycle that they have seen of like, you know, VC, excuse me, VC funding retracting from the space. 
they have seen many more in fact they had a massive pullback even in 2003 4 right when uh, postpost.com i guess so um, they they are not our, they are not uh, new to this um but but we do live in like a very uh, strange world and all of this goes back to the period between 2008 and 2021 um where rates were kept at like significantly you know close to zero all the time and massive amounts of money printing happened and deposit rates were not increased right even though fed runs were fed funds rates are like close to 5% now and that is i think one big problem that uh, a lot of these uh, banks are um, not problem but you know one one uh, thing they have not done is increase the deposit rate so if i am keeping 10 million at your bank i am only earning like 1% but i know i can take it out and put it in treasuries at 4% it's a no brainer i would do it right they could not however match the 4 or 5% they're getting outside because if you go from 1 to 4% in like 3 months then your entire profit margin uh, goes away right and it's a very difficult call for a bank to take and also there is an element of greed as well that i have excess deposits why do i have to pay them anyways because i don't need any more deposits so i think these are like two very um, two two characteristics that has uh, caused this now i think we see funding on the back of all of this will it was already on the downward trajectory i don't expect it to uh, go back up uh, significantly anytime soon plus the era of cheap money is also over right um, now the fed fund rate is around 5% so um, cost of borrowing um, uh, you know right from the mothership which is the fed all the way down to vcs and like uh, startups has also increased now so it's not uh, that you can keep pumping money into the um, ecosystems anytime soon now again famous famous last words now i don't know what the fed will do out of this i have a hunch but let's come back come to that later but that but that's pretty much my take on uh, vc funding hmm okay so now let's say you i mean you spoke you speak to a lot of founders indian and global right and and they're alarmed by this they they don't they don't know what the hell to do uh, some of them might even have funds on silicon valley banks or other american companies that american banks are affected by this if they come to you for advice and ask them hey hey prashant what do i do right now what are you going to tell them oh. <laughs> yeah i mean look we do have a portfolio of companies right and um um we do speak to them all the time we have been staying close to them over the last week especially over the weekend as well um they, and this is not an easy thing to answer okay um, and i'll tell you why so right now um, everything most of the banking globally and also the startup funding have happens in either usd or in stable coins stable coins also that that companies mostly hold is usdc or usdt right and there has been a progressive move towards usdc because usdt has not done an audit uh, that people could uh, sufficiently rely upon so it's usd or usdc now when it comes to usd um there were like not many banks in the us that were uh, opening up bank accounts for crypto based companies so right? <laughs> the ones that were there were silvergate signature and svb and in a weekend all three are gone right uh, now uh, there are smaller banks that you go to but then structurally how much do you, do you rely upon them right they may have the same uh, hold to maturity and available for sale asset uh, problems um they may be a lot more uh, um you know um, disincentivized to open accounts for crypto based companies and uh, if they all perceive that um, fed is um, you know um, anti crypto now again i'm not saying they are but if that is a perception that these banks have then they will struggle right to uh, be very pro crypto in such a dicey macro environment um so what that leaves us with is then uh, more stable coins right and right now funnily enough 24 hours back my my uh, theory would have been very different but right now it feels like um USDC is very strong from that uh, overall standpoint because it's diversified across 
was eight banks now it's seven banks and all of its uh, non bank assets are kept in uh, very short term treasury bills right so very very low exposure to interest rates and um, high liquidity as well so um, so they have done all of the diversification at their end that you as a company as a fund or as a startup don't have to do at this point so in a way it looks like usdc could be a winner out of this entire uh, discussion right but it's not easy for startups because like i said li um, liquidity gets tighter and uh, banking access especially in the us i think becomes more and more difficult right so um, usdc as a rail um, appears to be open um, and and that is probably where i guess um, immediately people will um, start to focus on and there are a lot of smaller banks in us and also in europe that mm. also take usd based deposits and um, there is a list of that as well um, and and that is also something you know um, startups will have to uh, speak to and that is something we are openly making intros to and where we don't have intros we are trying to seek those intros to make them um, for these uh, for our start, for our portfolio companies as well <laughs> it's funny that you say usdc is stronger now after what has happened anyway by the way we're recording this on the 13th of march in the morning at about 11:30 right and 40 11 hours 11 ago, IST. 11.30 IST. 11.30 IST. I think. 11.30 <laughs> in standard time. 20, sorry, 48 hours ago, uh, USDC went down to about 0.88 to the dollar. So it's lost its spec by about 12%. Um, every stable coin apart from USDT was trading at a discount to the dollar. Right now it's back for a couple of reasons. And I want to get into that because that was a huge story directly affecting a lot of retail crypto investors like like myself and probably like you as well um so th there was one tweet by circle uh which said that 3.3 roughly 3.3 billion dollars of that 40 billion reserve was in silicon valley bank and that was locked indefinitely at least over the weekend but now we've got a little bit more clarity and you mentioned that it's gone from eight banks diversification back to seven so across uh, of course uh, silicon valley is now out of the question um what does this mean for say the rest of the stable coins in the market, right? Because now we've seen a lot of issues with stable coins. USD, USD went down. BUSD is now off the market. Uh, USDC has some problems. But you're completely contrarian here and saying that, no, 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 USDC is far stronger than the rest right now. The diversification is better. They're not exposed to interest rates. But what do the rest of the stable coins do right now? Yeah, see, I mean, when, when you look at stable coin uh, ecosystem, there are probably three types, right? One is... Um, backed purely by USD, which is your USDC, BUSD, which was source, and the uh, similar ones, right? Um, USDT also probably falls into this, but then, you know, you, um, we don't know for sure what exactly backs USDT, and even if it does, probably it's up around 80 to 85% backed, right? That's the amount of clarity we have received so far. The second type is non, uh, no, the second type is your algorithmic stable coins, but I don't think anyone will take the risk of going into something algorithmic in such a volatile something like environment. USD. Exactly, something like UST, right? And even if you look at Prax, which was a quasi-algorithmic stable coin, they've also moved into becoming fully collateralized now, um, uh, you know? And uh, so that is the second one. DAI is also like, you know, almost 50% USDC. So I would say a lot of algorithmic-based coins are also moving more into the collateralization zone. The third part is the non-USD um, um, non stable coins, like Euro, Euro Yen, etc. See, of all of this, right now, the one with the maximum liquidity um, is USDC and USDT, right? Um, your collateralized stable coins outside of these two have lower, uh, you know, um, um, uh, liquidity, not liquidity, but the overall, uh, you know, uh, supply. And uh, the non-USD based coins also have very, very low supply, right? So it can, some people can probably go there, but those are not like uh, scale solutions. 
within scale solutions it's usdc and usdt now why i'm saying usdc is probably interesting at this point is they are also working with the fed to open and well uh, to cut out the jargon to open an account directly at the fed as well right what does that mean is they are then bypassing the entire banking system and making your usdc redeemable at a fed level so then it becomes not a banking risk but a usd risk at that point right and uh, that is probably something a lot more people will be more comfortable taking especially in this environment so, so from um, trusting a bank from. it would be trusting the government at large correct the fed the usd the government yeah exactly and see also if you look at usdc what happened over the weekend right so 3.3 billion as you said is around was around 8% of the funds um my 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 gut feel was you know there will be some sort of backstop on svb because it is fairly de- decently big top 20 bank a uh, lot of deposits a lot of startups etc dependent on it right and uh, business wise it was still fairly healthy so um, i thought it would be backstop either by someone buying it or by the fed backstopping it in some shape or form and um, even if that got delayed right uh, typically what happens in terms of claims processing is you know, the first 250k uh, gets paid and then uh, you know if you look at the historical precedence 50% of uh, the uninsured deposits also get paid fairly quickly within a week and then after that uh, everything comes to down to how much what type of assets they have and how long it takes to sell it off and even when that happens the claim on those proceeds is fairly senior for your uh, depositors they get paid out first the ones who take the hit are primarily your uh, bond holders and your equity holders right that's pretty much how the waterfall works so um looking at the balance sheet it felt to me that okay there might the worst case is that this entire payout will be delayed and maybe there will be like a 5 to 10% hit on the 3.3 billion but given how much interest uh, usdc and circle earns as a business it would be covered within you know 6 months so it was not like a um, terrible terrible issue right uh, in in my mind at least purely based on just svb as a bank so so that's why i was fairly okay with usdc regardless of what was happening and now i'm thinking you know with that kind of gone out of the way um, it's probably come out a lot stronger um i i cannot put my hand on heart and tell people to go into usdt at this point because you know um we don't know what is backing usdt right and it might just be a, a <laughs> and they did come out with a post saying that we have no exposure to signature bank Mm-hmm. and they also i think put out a post saying they have no exposure to svb as well so now then the question is like who exactly are they banking with right <laughs> so um so yeah so, so that's a different beast so that, that's my take on usdc over the weekend i spoke to a few crypto traders who were um, playing it long on usdc right they 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 felt the exact same thing like like you did but they sort of um bet on the fact that usdc would go back to parity and it did they probably made a good a good yep. chunk cuz like 12% down 12% up going down going up was pretty pretty good on them um so if this is something that didn't that can't sort of bring down usdc a potential banking partner that there that that went down again it's only 8% of their reserves is there anything that can what bring down usdc dc dt okay it's a, there's a, there's a lot of shady yeah, stuff going um, on still they're like they have diversification across seven banks and short term us treasury bills right so the next risk is then the seven banks at this point but um effectively what the fed has done is it has pretty much come out with this 25 billion um fund right and they are saying that we will be backstopping any other uh, banks that go into any of these uh, no um risks that the svb uh, etc have gone into so even these seven banks because they are a depositor if some sort of a bank run happens on them then technically the fed is going to backstop it because they have committed to it right so that risk to me is fairly remote now 
then their other part of dep- uh, assets is uh, us treasuries which is again very short term i think maximum is 6 months so um, th- that is also very very liquid right there will be some sort of mark to market risk but i don't think that will be uh, significant anyways so i don't see any ma- massive risk vectors uh, around usdc now unless of course the business itself has done some uh, unscrupulous things like you know what we have been seeing in the last 12 months but you know that is then specul- that uh, that uh, then i am entering into a land of speculation which i don't want to at that point um yeah so this brings me to like what fed has done overnight right so they have come out with this um, i forget what it is called now it's some bank not uh, term bank funding right uh, fund something of that sort um anyways what 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 they what they're trying to do is um this entire hold to hold to maturity and available for sale assets i mentioned right now a lot of us banks hold such assets on their books and what it means is that a lot of them are therefore exposed to um, a lot of un, uh, um crystallized but unrealized sorry unrealized losses right on their balance sheet based on mark to markets so uh, what what the fed is now saying effectively is that hey you can go around and look at all of these banks and spook yourself out but realize that we are backstopping all of these banks deposits at least the way we are doing this is we are telling these banks that if you need any sort of liquidity then deposit the, these assets with us we will give you um, you know um, a loan on those assets by mark by assuming these price these are priced at par and you will have to pay like an overnight interest rate which is okay at around i think 4 to 5% as opposed to the 1% that you will be earning on these assets um but you know i'm pretty much backstopping your entire uh, hold to maturity and available for sale uh, um book right so now therefore there is no point going around and like looking at other banks as to who is holding what type of unrealized losses right so this when i started this entire discussion saying that the accounting is probably what started this entire cycle so now fed has kind of countered that entire accounting narrative by backstopping these uh, these, these assets ah okay that that makes uh, that that comes at least for full circle there but like at least in the crypto world right the, the people who aren't in come uh, who don't come in from the traditional finance world um they give up the fed a lot of shit they like all oh, these people are just coming in and doing bailouts we started with a bailout we're going back to a bailout uh but this is is this a bailout for the bank and if it is right um does it how does it actually help or affect um the tech founders tech companies that are banking with either silicon valley bank or other banks see i mean having been through 2008 2009 that entire cycle um bailout to me means something quite different right bailout is where you bail out the equity uh, holders and you are effectively um, um keeping the entire institute intact as well right and um, what what uh, they did with um, say aig or um, what they had done with um, you know um, some of these other banks as well and um, um bailout is basically when it's when you when you protect the junior uh, bond holders sorry equity holders right in this case it's more of a backstop okay and uh, what i because they are only gone up to say that you know there are this pool of assets that have unrealized losses but we are backstopping them and we are willing to accept them as collateral if any bank wants to borrow from us right so uh, at this point at least it feels more like a backstop less as a um, uh, bailout right now what the reason also why they may be doing this is a lot of um especially if you look at silicon valley bank right their ent- um, ent- almost entire client base is startups and um, 
your small and medium term businesses, right? Uh, who are in need of a lot of this cash to keep their payroll going and to operate as a going concern. Um, and um, so that is that is why this backstop is coming in, in my opinion, to kind of keep these businesses running, right? And uh, they're technically not bailed out either SVB or Signature because uh, well, Signature, again, it's a black box. I don't know why they did what they did. But um, SVB especially, they're not technically bailed it out, right? Because the company has been taken into receivership. So there is no, um, you know, coming out of that and operating again as an SVB at this point. So therefore, it's not been bailed out. Um, and I know uh, this backstop is more about, uh, the other thing about bailout is um, it usually uses taxpayers' money, right? In any bailout that happens. Here, effectively, Fed is, um, it's, it's again, more of an accounting treatment that they are doing between the Fed and these banks to, uh, you know, uh, backstop it and make sure that they're, uh, they don't face any sort of liquidity issues, right? Um, so again, it's not, a, in, a, in the traditional terms, it's not bailout. Now, I, I don't know what kind of contagion will come out of this. Come out of this. Um, not sure. I think this will probably uh, blow itself blow out in the in the next week or so uh, because the Fed has backstopped it. Backstopped it. But the market seems to feel that this is more of a traditional bailout, and the Fed will start you know now um, pumping more, uh, printing more money, and reduce rates again. That I'm not very sure about. That uh, the Fed will do. But if that happens, then it leads back to the same cycle where. There's cheap money in the economy. People will start investing in tech companies and crypto companies. The yields in all DeFi protocols will go back to like triple digits and stuff. And then we're back oh to Oh my God, one. yeah. Yeah, so, it, it is back to square one. Of course, a lot of uh, people on Twitter, especially really want this to happen. Uh, of course, <laughs> selfishly for their bags. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a good thing because that structurally does not uh, help the common man. And, um, you know, you do that and inflation again starts peaking, right? And uh, that, that, that is, in my opinion, a very bad outcome because then you don't know how it manifests itself into a two-tiered society and what type, what type of, you know, um, civil unrest that that generates. Because anything like that happening will again just put more money into the rich people's hands, right? So, um, and end of the day. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of that, but, you know, I'm not the Fed. So, uh, we'll just have to see what they do and then, uh, you know, position ourselves uh, accordingly. Yeah, oh, the, the one thing that people on Twitter were positioning themselves with is like, this makes the case for Bitcoin all the more stronger. And because all the swaps were happening on Ethereum, or at least the blockchain, right? When they were swapping USDC for USDT, people were like, oh, Ethereum is now stronger as well. So do you buy that? Or you're like, eh, that's just a short term thing, man. You got to like, look at the big picture here. See, I mean, in, in my opinion, between Ethereum and Bitcoin, I think uh, Bitcoin has, sorry, Ethereum has a lot more utility because of the ecosystem it's uh, it has and the transaction that it kind of facilitates on a In situations basis. like these? No, no, in, in general, in general. See, this situation is not about a Bitcoin versus Ethereum. It tells me that how much we are still dependent on traditional banking and how much we are dependent on stable coins, which is effectively USD. Um, and, and have we take, taken a step back to realize that, you know, why are we in this space in trying to create like a disruptive newer, uh, you know, um, uh, type of, um, um, financial system. Right. Mm. And, uh, that is, uh, more, more, uh, code driven and less, uh, intermediary driven. And what last few days has kind of told me, and I mean, I've always, uh, believed in that anyways, is that we are still way too dependent on, uh, centralized currencies and, uh, financial institutes, uh, whether we like it or not. And, uh, you know, um, there is no point kind of taking, a 
moral high ground and uh, <laughs> you know saying that one is better than the other um, and we just have to embrace the reality and you know um, work around it but yeah i mean i don't think this is a bitcoin versus ethereum uh, discussion at all right now ah okay so don't listen to the noise on twitter cuz everybody was just yelling at that oh bitcoin stronger than this but yeah see, that's a, that's another problem right right now something like twitter makes money and information accessible sorry between twitter and uh, on chain you have no money accessible 24/7 okay um and, but banking does not uh, work that way so a lot of uh, usually weekends would be very silent right uh, but this weekend was crazy and i mean i i don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing but twitter uh, i mean i i learn a lot but i just feel that there it just has way too much ptsd <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. yeah weekends like crypto just lives on the weekends and banks close on the weekends and this was like the intersection of both the funny thing is i saw a tweet by uh, dante desparte the guy who heads policy at circle and he, he said at, at the end of the tweet he he said that we will be smarter on monday so he was also like guys i know it's a big problem my stable coin is depegging but like we'll handle this on monday but thankfully it was all sorted before uh monday yeah. and so now what happens now right like okay for crypto we can at least see that any crypto startup that is banking with svb or any at risk company they're at risk right uh, stable coins have become stronger at least usdc has usdt still fairly untransparent what what do we sort of do right now um when you say we as in uh, you mean the crypto um... world the crypto industry I see I mean crypto world I think um, having spent so much time in London I think I would love to use this uh, phrase that we use right uh, it's keep calm and carry on uh, <laughs> you know um, and I think crypto uh, the entire uh, web3 ecosystem I think needs a bit of that don't don't lose focus on like you know we still have to build so much right and let's focus more on that um, I I know this is this is an issue and it's not like I mean um, a lot of people were genuinely worried this weekend because it were hitting the payrolls etc um but you know um let us this is again one thing along the way um and uh, you know we should not lose focus on what we are here to do which is to build which is to rearchitect financial systems and uh, you know other industries and um, i think we have to um, work more and more closely with uh, regulators right and um, I, I was at this um, event uh, on Saturday in Delhi, uh, uh, Namaste Web3, and was on a panel with regulators there, right? Uh, from Niti Aayog, etc. And it's it's um, we we are still so dependent on traditional systems that um, and 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 we don't control that, right? That control of all of that is with regulators, and and uh, it behooves us to work closer with them and uh, come to like uh, a common conclusion, which in my mind is you know. regulate more of the centralized intermediaries and let the decentralized world you know um, find its path on its own through innovation right i i think i think that is what we should be working towards on that side and just keep building you know um, don't let the noise um, affect you uh, in in terms of and and don't worry too much about price action etc either where bitcoin goes where ethereum goes etc i think we just have to um, stick to what we uh, need to build so one thing i also want to touch upon is like coinbase right so coinbase is i think they're an issuer or a backer or they have something to do with the back end of usdc right along with circle and they put out a tweet saying we're going to stop usd and usdc conversions uh, and they hold a ton of usdc on their on their balance sheet as well and cash like in us dollars um could at any point could they have come in and said that hey guys like 
let's stop this bank run uh, on at least let's could they have come in and sort of support the peg of USDC if the situation would arise? Um, yeah, so so yes, Coinbase in some shape or form is involved with USDC. Um, I'm not I'm not fully sure how. Um, I think the day to day thing is managed by Circle, but um, Coinbase has some relationship, right? So I'm not exactly privy to that part now. Specific to USD to USDC that Coinbase uh, stopped. I think that was more to do with um, you know banking not being available over the weekend and them not having wanting to uh, process too many of these uh, requests at their end and having to then you know backlog all of them for the start of the week. So um, and and uh, man, I think this was uh, this is probably the main reason why they did that. Now I'm I'm almost certain that given their exposure to USDC and also their close relationship with Circle, they must have been working in the backend on, uh, you know, uh, trying to help uh, Circle and USDC resolve this. But yeah, I I, do, um, I guess we uh, we can't say that anything for certain because we didn't see them putting out anything or at least I missed any anything of that sort, right? Um, now, Coinbase is one of the... now turning out to be one of the places where people are, you know, withdrawing their uh, USDs into as well. And uh, they could become like a very good conduit for this entire USD to USDC going forward. And, uh, you know, it probably just solidifies their uh, position from a crypto ecosystem standpoint. Oh, of course, none of this is financial advice or a disclaimer has to be mentioned. Right. So. Yes, I have to actually. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. None of this is financial advice in terms of like you know, but um, USDC versus USDT or what has happened here. Um, this is you know um, my all my personal views here in that I'm sharing with uh, you know Akshay and the team. So yeah, uh, don't construe anything as legal tax financial advice. All right, cool, uh, cool, cool. So let's just run through a quick TLDR of uh, what exactly happened, so that you know we're on the up and up. Um, Right. So in 20, in 2020, again, like I'm going to butcher this and Prashant, you're the, you're the TradFi guy here. So you can like correct me here, right? Whenever I've, I've missed out. Um, so in 2020 rates were incredibly low because of COVID. So people wanted us, at least the government wanted people to spend like crazy. So like home loans are very low. Everything else is very low. Right. So it's cheap money. I could borrow, I could put it in whatever the hell I wanted to. And the price of a lot of cryptos and, uh, and the tokens at a lot of DeFi protocols just went up and up and up because of that, or one of the reasons because of that. Um, and that eventually lasted for a period of roughly two to three years um, until, say, Luna and Celsius and FTX collapsed. Um, not because of that, but because the rates started increasing, people started pulling back their money into their own sort of um, into something safer, something like um, T-bills or something like government bonds, corporate bonds, etc. And they started pulling money out of um, the places where they stored it, whether it's crypto exchanges for crypto investors or banks for tech founders and VC funding sort of dried up and they it will probably continue to dry up. And that's what led to at least SVB um, sort of getting a hit. Um, but um, Silvergate was also a bank for various crypto exchanges. Crypto exchanges, start, people started pulling money out of crypto exchanges. So there, there was a big problem there as well. Now we eventually led to USDC, which was one of our circle, which was one of the depositors with USDC or uh, with SVB. And uh, their money got stuck and they got, they sort of couldn't pull it out. But again, it everything sort of ended up fine because they pull, pulled their money into another bank, I think. So is that like a fair summary or is there anything else that you ha have to add? I, I know I didn't get the accounting aspect of this. Is that went over my head? But uh, we can break it down in the newsletter for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's 2020. I think this, these things have been building up since uh, 2008, right? And uh, it's just 2020 just accelerated everything significantly. And, um, you know, what, what we are seeing now to an extent is um, um, the, you know, um, uh, outcome of liquidity starting to get squeezed out of the system, right? Through increased rates and quantitative tightening. And um, yeah, and and you know, in in a way, look, it's it's also market forces playing uh, playing uh, you know a very free hand to the extent that um, um, these banks did not increase their deposit rates, so people started pulling money out and putting it more into like treasuries, and you know that started uh, the and and uh, you can say that was greedy, that was like you know of these banks, or you can say they were just had too much funds, uh, whichever way you look at it, but market forces started playing there, right? Ultimately, um, what what matters uh, not not matters, but then what is important is that um, it is it is the Fed's market. As long as you are dependent on USD, um, you, it is pretty much you are, you, are, you are the market is being set by the Fed. They like you know, uh, and I don't think they always do a very good job. They um, kept rates too low for too long, and then they uh, you know started hiking it um, aggressively. And uh, then also even two months back, they were like the market was going up in a frenzy and they did not even do much to kind of uh, pull it back. And uh, you know, last month, they, they again sounded like more hawkish uh, again. And uh, now I don't know what they will do in on March 22nd, right? But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, there's so a lot what, of volatility. On March 22nd? So March 22nd is the next FOM, uh, you know, Fed rates meeting. Um, when uh, we know whether, you know, the market was thinking after the last meeting that there is a higher probability of a 50 basis points hike. Now that has completely gone up. Now uh, people are expecting more of a 25 basis uh, points hike. And, uh, you know, in fact, a lot of people are now swinging the other way, saying that they may not hike at all. I think Goldman Sachs just put a report out saying that they will not, uh, they don't expect the Fed to hike at all. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it, there's a lot of volatility that's also created because I think um, um, even though it is the Fed's market, I don't think they have done the best they could uh, in the last 15 years in terms of how they could have uh, managed the economy either, right? Now, again, it's easy for me to sit here and say that they have a very uh, tough job out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in retrospect, it's, it's, it's yeah, anyone, anyone can, you know, uh, make an opinion. Damn, yeah, they have a huge job there. <laughs> and it's affecting us as uh, stablecoin users as well. My God, but this was, this was crazy. I learned a lot and I hope our listeners, readers did as well. Uh, but yeah, that was the wrap up on whatever happened over the past 72 hours in crypto, in TradFi, in banking, in my portfolio, in every single thing. Uh, I'll catch you guys next time. Yep. And get some sleep, guys, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>